Hi guys, it's Laura with your trigger warnings for this episode. We do discuss suicide, slavery, we mentioned 9-11 and other examples of historical trauma. So please take care of yourselves and enjoy the episode. What'll it be this time? Why don't you belch Shakespeare at me, you fumbling snob? Hey look, it's, hey, a, look, butterfly. it's a butterfly. It's a Welcome to Reading Rainbow. Yeah. The podcast where we read books that people had to read in school and we figure out why they had to read them and, you know, if it was worth it or not. I'm your co-host, Laura. I'm the other co-host, Laura. And who are you? Yeah, who's this other person? I am the third host. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm a guest. And your name is... <laughs> I'm Carmen. Yeah, we have a guest this time, guys. We're keeping it fresh. <laughs> yeah, second guest of all time, but first guest of season two. Yeah. So, Carmen, how, how long have you been a huge fan of our awesome podcast? <laughs> how many how many episodes have you listened to of our yeah. back catalog and how many times in a row? Yeah, how many re-listens have you done? Yeah. Re-listen? Yeah, how many... Um, I've listened to, like... One episode. All right, Carmen, silence. I don't. I don't <laughs> listen to podcasts. I can't retain information that way. Like audiobooks and podcasts are like my personal hellhole. It just. Which episode was it? Uh, the one Ellie sent me. Um, I think it was the Tale of Despero, which I hadn't oh. read. It was our last and best episode we ever recorded of season one. Yeah. So yeah, Carmen, tell us a little about yourself. Who are you? What do you like to do? You obviously hate listening to things. Um, I have two dogs. And <laughs> I hate listening to podcasts. I like listening to bops. Um, I like to go to spin class. And then I like to hang out with my dogs. Pretty boring. But you yeah. are nothing but you're not. No, you're nowhere near boring. That's what I want <laughs> you to are, say. <laughs> you are nothing but boring. You're so um, right. <laughs> oh, I got a flat tire today. That was not oh. fun. You were you driving when you got the flat tire? Did it explode while you were on the road? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. No, it didn't terrifying. explode. Like it just. I mean, cause no, there's a lot of like chuck holes and stuff, and I think I don't I don't know what happened. Did you change it, or did you need help to call someone? I changed it. Excuse you. Good for you. I yeah, would have called nice. someone. I would have been like, hello, please help me. Yeah, when I was vice president of education for my sorority, we had. I had a thing. Uh, we went on a field trip to a car shop to learn how to change tires, which was fun, oh I guess. Oh my gosh. Way um, to go. But no, one time, I, one time when I was moving, I rented a U-Haul with my dad, and then we were, like, moving in the U-Haul, and then we got a flat on our U-Haul, and the U-Haul guy was like, oh, well, we don't include spares because women don't know how to, like, change flat tires, and that really pissed me off. And then I was like, I will teach everyone I know how to change a flat tire. Um, so next time I see you guys, if you want to learn. Yeah, I was yeah. going to be like, well, I guess you forgot to teach me. Okay, well, I didn't know you didn't know. What I, there's a lot of things I don't know, okay? Jeez. Hey. <laughs> what are you drinking now, Ellie? I have a boba tea, even though it's three degrees outside. A Coors nice. Light. Ew. Um, this little... Svetka peach shot, like chaser, <laughs> uh, what's the word? Not a chaser. What is this? Whatever they're called. 
My dad's annoyed because since COVID, I came home, I've been drinking all his alcohol and cleared out bottles that he's had since like the 80s. But I'm like, if you're not going to drink the alc, what's the point of having it? I did drink wine during the week this week, so got kind of crazy. Why this week compared to other week? Well, really, I wanted cheese and I was like, well, I don't want the cheese without the wine. Mm. So I just came with it and I had a lactate. I was good to go. Interesting. My brain would have gone the opposite way. I would have been like, well, I want some wine. I should probably mm-hmm. not have wine on an empty stomach. Better eat some cheese. Right. And a lactate, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I don't want to fart bomb my whole house. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> Mm-mm. Okay. I gotta live there, bro. Well, okay. Okay. Um. So, Carmen, do you want to tell us what book we read for this month and why you selected it? We read Fahrenheit 451. Uh, I had to read it twice in school. It was it wasn't my favorite, but it you guys already read my favorite, um, and I didn't hate it, so that's cool. What was your favorite? The Great Gatsby. Is that basic? No. I felt really basic no. saying that. Why? You didn't like Gatsby? Yeah. Well. Uh no. no. It was super boring. He was just like. <laughs> Oh, Gatsby. And you're like, Nick, think for yourself. I'm not, I, I don't, I don't want to hear about Gatsby through you. I want to hear about you, Nick. Nick, That's... do something. <laughs> yeah. Do anything so... that you want to do. That's why we didn't like it. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't read that in a hot minute. So maybe if I read it now, I wouldn't enjoy it. But I liked it in school. I also had a really fun teacher that semester, so... Mm-hmm. He was, I think, the 2014 Cosmopolitan Bachelor of the Year. Or maybe it was an older year than that. I will... Did he tell you that? Like, it's Googleable. I will send Ooh. you this man. And I was like, why didn't you become a model? And he was like, I just feel so much more <laughs> fulfillment teaching. And I was Wait, like... Wait, how old were you? <laughs> I was in what high school. What is this? <laughs> um, okay. I just, like, you can have a harmless teacher It wasn't like crush. kindergarten you saying, like... Oh, it was, he was 2012. He's a, he's a whole ass hottie. Wow. I feel like a lot (laughs) of lines were crossed. Um, anyways. Hope you're finding love, buddy. Yeah, I guess he's all right. Yeah. Yeah, right? Like, oh my gosh, every single day at 8 a.m. I'd just look at this man's face and I'd be like, look at his face. What about his muscles? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm doing a hard zoom in on the, on the biceps. So you understand why I would have liked Gatsby, right? Enhance, I've never been more engaged in English again. class than when I had this man <laughs> as my teacher. Um. Well, yeah, so tell me a little bit about the book, Laura. Okay, well, the book, when it came out, actually, the New York Times did not like it. <laughs> they were unimpressed with the novel, according to Wikipedia. But Galaxy Science Fiction reviewer Graf Conklin placed the novel among the great works of the imagination written in English in the last decade or more. So... <laughs> some pretty polarizing opinions but it does have a lot of influence in pop culture um there was that fahrenheit 451 adaptation with michael b jordan but there was also this documentary called uh fahrenheit 911 which is a documentary oh, that takes a critical look at george w bush <laughs> and bradbury right. did not like that because he was conservative and he wanted the film renamed. And I don't think. Yeah, he's probably just like, oh, maybe not, <laughs> not mine, not no. associated with me, Jesus. Exactly. So, and I don't think he got his wish because there's still a Wikipedia page called Fahrenheit 9 11. <laughs> yeah. So, yikes. Well, here's another thing. Here's another thing, not necessarily about the book, but about the man, Ray Bradbury, 
I was looking up facts about him, and here's you know, Mental Floss's 10 Things You Should Know About Ray Bradbury. And number two is, it took him 22 years to ask a girl out. <gasps> Did she say but yes, though? I think we can see that in his writing. <laughs> I know, he's suppressed. <laughs> oh but God. here's the thing, though. It says, like, the way that, so the details that says after that fact, like, it's saying at the age of 22, Bradbury finally summoned up the courage to ask a girl out for the first time ever. <laughs> wait, but wait. that's, like, not that unusual. <laughs> like, if it was the same, no. it was if it was, like, we met at 19 and then 22 years later, I finally, but, like, if he was a fucking no, baby, didn't, he like, didn't we weren't. at zero, did he? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not so this like is zero very, Okay, this so that's just, just very bait. misleading. Yeah. But yeah. He is repressed, obviously. Uh-huh. And apparently, he wrote Fahrenheit 451 in just over a week. It took him about nine days. Wow. Okay, wait, but also, here's another thing. It says, the title of his classic novel, by the way, comes from the temperature at which paper burns without being exposed to flame, which is mm-hmm. 451 degrees. Wow, I didn't know that. That always makes me wonder. I'm like, oh, so if I put a book in my oven and turn it to 450, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't catch fire. <laughs> We'd be but good. One degree, <laughs> we'd be good. But one more than that, blazing. <laughs> oh, like that one time when I told you I'd send you a book that I zapped through the microwave oh, to get yeah. all the COVID things off of, which I never did. So <laughs> I definitely mm-hmm. gave you COVID via that book. Oh, well. Sorry. Darn Sorry. you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about, so we know that Carmen read this in school and twice, you read it twice, right? Wow. Yeah. Ellie, did you have to read this in school? Fuck no. I didn't have to read any of this shit. Wow. Um, okay. <laughs> um, wow. I did not have to read this one. I'm going to ask myself this question. And um, I did try to read it for fun as like, I don't know, a 16 year old. But I read like, I don't know, a chapter and I didn't like it. So I stopped. And now here we are 22 years later. Yeah, 22 whole years. Mm-hmm. Ever since I was one or whatever for those of you who have never read this book and never heard of it and have no like remote idea about what we're talking about Mm -hmm. i will give you a brief summary from goodreads about the book oh no why is it in why is it in a different language Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Uh... i'll try fahrenheit 451 Ofreche la historia de un sombrío y horroroso futuro. What the heck? Why isn't this? Who? What? What? Who did this? Yeah, why would someone do this? Wait, I have the book. Do you want me to read the blurb on the back? No. Okay. Fine. Yeah, we want Carmen's participation. Should I read it dramatically? Yes. Guy Montag was a fireman whose job it was to start fires. The system was simple. (laughs) Everyone understood it. Books were burning. (laughs) Along with the houses in which they were hidden. Guy Montag enjoyed his job. He had been a fireman for 10 years and he had never questioned the pleasure of the midnight runs. Okay, midnight runs sounds like (laughs) shitting in the middle of the night. Um, Not like you're going to somebody's house to uh, burn fires, but um, never question the pleasure of the midnight runs, nor the joy of watching pages consumed by flames. Never questioned anything until he met a 17-year-old girl who told him of a past when people were not afraid. 
Then he met a professor who told him of a future in which people could think, and Guy Montag suddenly realized what he had to do. Thank wow. you, Carmen. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, it wasn't the best summary, but I feel like you would get you get the gist of it. So people are burning books, mm-hmm. but I was gonna say also the point of that is to draw them in, but the point of me is to tell you the tea what happened. Okay, so Guy Montag, as it said, is a fireman. But in this world, firemen start fires because all the houses have been fireproofed and their job is just run around burning books. So if they get an emergency call, they got to go burn books. Uh, But he is starting to have some deep, deep thoughts. He meets a new neighbor, um, this teen who gives some real questions like, what if we talk to each other for fun? Um, And he's like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) She's like, why don't you smell the roses? And he's like, ew. He's like, oh, you can do that. Yeah, but then she disappears. And he's like, that's sketchy. Um, And so then he decides to start stealing books. And he presents this guy, Faber. But he and Faber make this plan. They're going to start distributing books. And distributing, though, to, like, firemen's houses. So they have this whole plan of sabotage and stuff. But Guy gets found out. Because his, like, boss, Beauty... He, like, senses this pattern. He's got this, like, whole thing where he's like, yeah, I know. Every fireman steals a book. And he's got 24 hours to give it back. Um, so then Guy pretends to, like, give him this book. But Beatty's like, no. I know you have, like, 10 others in your house. So he goes and he starts to burn his house down. He burns his house down. His wife betrays him. Yeah. Also, like, Montag is kind of just a really bad, like, spy for this revolution because he can't keep his cool. Like, no. the moment anyone talks about, like, talks bad about books he's like let me read you poetry you bitch and then he was like whoa 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 calm down like you gotta pick pick your battles man yeah but it doesn't really work out mm-hmm. and beanie as you heard from the beginning of the podcast is really just taunting him really being a real what's the word asshole so guy just he just blazes him he like burns him to death and then he runs away and it takes him forever but he runs to the country and he meets a bunch of other dudes who are preserving books in their brain but then it all ends because the city he lives in gets mushroom cloud, and uh, they gotta pick up. Wait, the how's it end? Don't they blow up the city he was in? Yeah, with the nuke. Oh my god. Yeah, like they nuke the city. Who? Wait, who does? I don't know. Other countries. Oh, shit! This is America. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> oh, that's a yeah. That's a doozy. They get nuked, so that'll definitely end your revolution. You know, if your whole fucking country gets nuked. Hmm. Yeah. So the uh, it's a little open ended at the end. Not really. It's not that open ended of an ending. Like he dies, and so does everyone in the country. No, they don't die. Their cities get nuked, but they're fine because they're on the train tracks. Because they're between what? the cities. So then they decide to go back to the. No, listen, Ellie. <laughs> really? What is yeah. this movie? Did you read? Are you sure? You... Oh my god! Are you, Shut up! <laughs> I did read the ending. I remember oh him, like, she, she read the ending. She didn't read the whole book. She just read the last oh, chapter. No, I did read the whole book. <laughs> she was like, screw this. She was like, I got it from here. <laughs> she, he, like, meets up with the other guys, and I'm like, oh, I'm sure I know how this ends. I'm going to close the book. Wait. Yeah. So, like, they nuke the city, and then Granger, the other guy, is like, it's flat. The city looks like a heap of baking powder. It's gone. I wonder how many of it was coming. I wonder. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. God, and... that's fucking dark. I don't I don't remember this. No, but it's supposed to be it's like intended to be a positive ending that it was nuked. Yeah. Because like then they can start over. Because this guy's this whole that's speech about weird... the Phoenix and how the Phoenix is born from the ashes. Burn... Yeah. Blah blah blah. And then they'll rebuild like uh... a literate nation. 
on top yeah. of like the wreckage. Wow, of very the Noah's world. Ark of them. Yeah, I the guess. last line, Ellie. When we reach the city, <laughs> I, it's not even a full fucking sentence. I know, right? This <laughs> full of those. So not impressed. Okay, well, great. I'm glad we all. Thank you for the, the summary. Now. Moving on to unanswered questions. <laughs> So what happened to the city? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> for you. <laughs> I'm just shook. I can't believe I didn't remember that. <laughs> Honestly, I'm Did not you... gonna lie. As as we talked about, like this whole book, it kind of does drone on and on and on, and you're kind of like, oh. Emily didn't cares? read it. So. <laughs> no, I did. I, well, I I didn't read it. I'll admit. I listened to it, and I listened to all of them, and I'll admit that. Have you heard sometimes... it? But did you listen? <laughs> Shut up! Yes, I did. <laughs> I unintentionally brought us to unanswered questions. Well, what are some other people's? Because I can't be the only one who who didn't have didn't know everything going on. Yeah, I'll go. Um, <laughs> so my question was: Okay, so the goal of this fire people, uh, and they're all men. Um, is, like, to burn all of the reading material that they can find, right? Like, if someone gives them a call, like, turns into their neighbor, then they have to go and burn their books. But, like, they admitted that they can still read. Like, so they... But they moved from, like, full books to, like, straight into summaries and straightening them to, like, one-liners. But they can still read. Like, my, like guy, Guy's wife can is reading a script for, like, her, her, like, TV play or whatever. Yeah. So where's the line between, like, being able to read and, like, having a book? Like, why is that? I don't know. It's not that they're... Because I don't think it's that they're illiterate, you know? But they just don't have any interest in books, so... Well, didn't they say, though, it was because, like... Why is there that distinction? With, like, technology, like, consuming other things, right? Consuming TV was just more convenient and, like, engaging. And then reading books, like, requires, like, active... I don't know, like, active thinking about, like, what's going on, right? And then... Mm-hmm. It was like the choice for like convenience over having to think about things, and like with media mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, or like at least with their TV shows, definitely or whatever they were. Even though there's mm-hmm. a script, it's like it's basically something mm-hmm. that's like been predetermined for them to consume, where they it won't require any thought. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, yeah. So it's more about the people in power, the government or whatever, having the control over what they can read. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, like with the seashells and everything. Mm-hmm. And their ears. They, yeah. Yeah, they are Well, y'all are making me feel really bad about not reading this book and instead <laughs> listening to it. Just like they all... Just like the government wanted. Yeah. <laughs> You're the first step. Why is there so much violence? Like, if you think that there's something they wanted to fix about society, it wouldn't it be, like, the violence that was occurring? Such as? And the crime. Well, I think Clarice talked about it. There's, like, shootings, and then, like, teenagers will just chase people down with their cars and run them over. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God! They will, yeah. Ellie, did you that read was also the book? <laughs> <laughs> Ellie. I... Yes, oh there my is. Gosh. Yeah, there... Go ahead. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm shook. Go ahead, Laura. Yeah, like, the people on the, like, on the streets, they'll go, like, 90 miles an hour just down, like, a residential street, they say. Um, yeah, and there is, like, a real richness where they talk about, like, yeah, the kids, like, are kind of being raised away from their parents, so they really kind of hate them. And, yeah, the teenagers have, like, just get a lot of joy out of, like, destruction. And uh, I do remember what you were talking about. 
Plus, there's like a war going on everywhere, I guess. Yeah. Although, to be fair, I did light a lot of things on fire when I was a teenager. You guys remember. <laughs> Not in like a bad Hyrule way, but in like a safe, controlled things that were supposed to be lit on fire way. Yeah. What's a lot of fires? Well, okay, that like? leads me to one of my unanswered questions was like, which was, what constitutes like, quote unquote, burning a book? Um, mm-hmm. I say, quote, burning because is burning just like the destruction of a book because i know that a super popular trend for a little bit was like carving out like mostly just with harry potter people because you know harry potter people be crazy mm-hmm. and um they would like hollow out a harry potter book and then put like a ring in it and then people were like oh you're defacing a book this is horrible this is so bad and so like where's the line now like i'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie i've definitely defaced a book by carving out its innards and then using it for my own mm-hmm. wills so am i a criminal yeah or there's like you know book art and stuff that people do yeah where they fold the pages or carve yeah. the pages yeah also some people hate it when you dog ear their pages they're like oh, i'm no. one of those people but like i don't know i think book burning is like only a problem like when it's a societal level well i mean i guess if you just like mm, lit a yeah. book on fire i mean that's kind of I don't know. It's dumb. It's like really, like yeah, the people who are like intentions. yeah, the people who are like mad about um, J.K. Rowling and her comments, which that's that's a whole nother story. But um, they would buy buy her books and light them on fire. But by buying her books, you're like giving her money. So who cares what you do with it mm-hmm. afterwards? But yeah, I do want to bring in though a favorite quote from the book that kind of relates to that. It's when Montag what? is talking to Faber. The guy who the other guy, <laughs> <laughs> other guy. There's guy and there's the Faber guy. And Faber guy <laughs> is like he used to be a professor, so he has a lot of words in his brain. But he lives the coward's life, as he says, just building walkie talkies in his house, and like secretly wishing he's a rebel, but not doing anything. Um. Anyway, they find each other, and they just two repressed dudes. Um. Anyway, Faber is saying to guy, "There's nothing magical." in them at all and then being books the magic is only in what books say how they stitch the patches of the universe together into one garment for us i think that's saying like the book the object itself is not really like that harmful it's Mm -hmm. like the idea and that you can that they contain you know and like the world that they can form and like the really depth depth of thought that they provide people because like i mean if you think about it, they can, like, set all the fires they want, but it's not really, like, stopping people from wanting the books or from wondering, I guess. Oh, okay. I was wondering, like, there's this, there's a big deal made about the hound that the firemen keep. And it's not a, an animal hound. It's, like, a mechanical hound. And it's this thing that can, like, they can, you know, provide a person's scent or something or other. And it goes and finds them. And it has, like, a needle to give them, like, get them numb, but, like, what else does it do? Like, wh- I don't under, I, it's not explicit. Like, what's that for? <laughs> is it just to, like, also used to kill people? people. Um, is it? Yeah, because one of to, the like, firemen committed suicide by hound. So I think it's, like, there's, ah, there's different okay. levels. Yeah, but that's not. No, 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 because what he did to commit suicide was that he, like, trained it to his scent. He put it on his scent. So I think, I think what it does, because it also, like, it sensed fear or whatever, right? Like, it was trained to be like a dog. So I think what it does is that it's, like, it's there to, like, grab and sedate you. Like, when they lit the old lady's house on fire, they wanted to take the old lady out. Mm -hmm. But she wanted to die Mm -hmm. 
with her books. In so I think it's like the right. hound would like ideally sedate you and like take you out and like remove you so they can brainwash you or whatever. But if you put up too much of a fight, it'll just take you out. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's but so it has a lot of purposes. yeah. That's my interpretation. I just want to let you know I do remember the hound. So good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I remember that part. Yeah. It didn't like it was kind of scary and like in the sense that you could really feel Guy was very Guy Montag was very scary. Well, you know, in this book they're like rewriting history, right? They're like completely indoctrinated and they're told that firemen were like originally Benjamin Franklin had the firemen destroying English books and so you know that's young. So like when we are preserving history, a lot of times it's only like the winner's side, right? Like you, what's that saying that it's like the winners write the history books or whatever? The victors are histories written by the victors or something? Yeah, something, something to that effect, right? Yeah. And so, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, for example, I am not defending the Confederacy, but in like the North, people learned that like sure. the Civil War was about slavery, but in the South, it's like we learned that it was about like a whole bunch of layered issues. Um, mm-hmm. But for the most part, when people think about the Civil War, they think about, like, the slavery, right? So, like, the other issues that were, like, underlying and part of that, those kind of, like, disappear, right? So, like, and then just in general Mm -hmm. with, like, things now people want to get rid of, like, statues and, like, get rid of people. Like, I don't think they should be displayed, but I think they, like, still belong in a museum and that you have to, like, continue to teach about the ugly parts of history. But a lot of times people are like, oh, this is, like, Mm -hmm. really triggering and we should just, like, not teach about it. And I think that kind of like ties into some of the stuff in this book where they talk about how it's more convenient and like easier to be happy mm-hmm. when you're consuming bite-sized pieces of things versus having to like think on your own. But I will say related to politics because I do understand that and it's like especially with the rewriting history and like how everything is presented like from my perspective or from like the resources that I was exposed to it seemed a lot more not necessarily like oh don't teach about these people because it's like nitty gritty and ugly but it was like don't teach kids Mm -hmm. about these people because you're not even teaching them about them you're like showing them the happy if anything you're showing them only the happy parts so like specifically with george washington it's like you know he's a slave owner and he had like lots of kids who he had lots of kids with his own slaves and like Mm -hmm. that isn't really talked about and so it's not like like we only want to look at the good parts but it's like oh we want to look at every part yeah i agree with that we like want you know heroes we want good guys and bad guys um Mm -hmm. and it's like not always that simple like um yeah people could have like profound impact and like do very important things but still not be like you know, have flaws and, like... Stand-up dudes, yeah. And, you know, have done harm and, like, perpetrated harm. And I think there's, like, there's, like, layers to that, too, though, because, obviously, when do we learn about George Washington? When we're, like, in first grade? That's maybe not Mm -hmm. when we're learning about, like, consent and slaves and all of that jazz right away. Too true, yeah. And so how -hmm. how do you, like, teach that and then incorporate these, like, more adult topics later on in life, you know? I don't know, like... If they're willing to, like, tell us about, like, I don't, I'm not trying to go to the extremes here, but, like, if they're willing to tell us about, like, 9-11 and, like, the mm-hmm. harm that that caused, then they should also be willing to tell us about the harm that we have caused. Yeah, the atrocities we've committed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, and in terms of the age thing, there is that, I, uh, I don't, at this moment, know who to attribute this quote to, but it's, like, 
if I my kid is old enough to experience racism, then your kid is old enough to learn about it. So, like, sure, there are, like, you know, some things that maybe we should hold off with kids, but, like, on the whole, they can, I think they can understand inequality. Or, you know, they can handle being exposed to the idea. Oh, I mean, like, yeah, they can. They, Mm -hmm. it's a part, it's like a socialization thing, so. Yeah. Does anyone else have any unanswered questions? No. No? I'm good. Okay, I, I have one last one, then, that I'll end us on. Um, how far off was Bradbury from predicting future today? Okay, because so this was written in 19, or published in 1953, but they have a lot of things, like there's walls that are like TVs, um, they have like little radios in their ears that like broadcast, you know, stuff to them all the time. Um, obviously the cars are very, very fast. Oh, but like how close it is to today's society? Like the only thing he really didn't account for was like the internet, but I mean, I feel like there's also some merit to like them not even being able to have conversations like in real life anymore or like obviously we can still talk in real life but you ever see people and they're like hanging out and then they're on their phones and they're like texting each other in the same room it makes me deeply uncomfortable i think there there's like a dis yeah. a disconnect and like we kind of like stopped engaging with people as much as they did back in the uh, 1960s yeah i will yeah. say i do think it is i Okay, like, it was me compared to, say, my parents, and I know this is just my experience, but, like, they're much better at talking to strangers and just, like, making a conversation up out of nothing. Whereas yeah. when I see a stranger, I am like, unless you need something from me, I have nothing for you. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, very utilitarian when I'm talking to you. Like, listen. I don't know what we would talk about. <laughs> I don't know what we could possibly say. I don't know yeah. what we'd have to say to each other. Like, it's very hard for me to pull something out of the air my ass for <laughs> you my butt <laughs> um well here's my thing because i get it i'm also like i'll look at people i'm like y'all aren't even saying anything you're y'all are on your phones but i've also been the person who's on my phone with a bunch of other people in the room on the phone because and for me a lot of the time is like i'm trying to unwind especially if i have a f- close friend or like i'm friends with someone and like i feel feel like sometimes I get to a certain level where I'm like no I like that I can hang out with you and yeah. we don't actually have to do anything and there's not a stress to like anything to drive the conversation I'm just hanging out with you and we're doing what we need to do and if that's being on our phones then great yeah Otherwise, I was like, I'm on my phone with you all the time yeah but are you are you texting now. the person <laughs> if you have something to say to them will you text it to them or will you like just say it out loud fuck no I hate texting exactly like that's the thing though is when they're like mm. I mean, yeah, it's good to, like, be well, at a next comfortable level with someone where you can chill. But people will literally text each other while they're, like, sitting next to each other. Oh, and it's like, no. That is weird. Not unless it's a meme that my words won't do justice well, to. Well, if you're in the same room, right. you can then just reach over and show it to them. Like, Yeah, but I want you to keep the meme in your messages forever. I do not keep your memes. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's uh, go into intended takeaways and judgments and we're gonna first go to carmen for this because Mm. you read this in school what do you from do you remember like why you had to read this in school what like they the school was trying to like what message they were trying to get to you with and tell us do you think it like had that intended effect i mean it has that that sweet sweet like you gotta be able to think independently and like, be an individual and exist, like, outside of, like, just whatever you're told and think critically. But then, I don't know, that's kind of <laughs> an oxymoron because we had to read the book and be told that message. 
So if I'm being Mm. told that I need to do more than listen to what I'm being told to, but I get punished with bad grades for not following this book and this curriculum, like, how effective of a lesson is that? Um, But I think we also did a lot um, about literary devices and, like, themes. I remember, like, obviously Mm. fire is, like, very overt in its appearance in this book, right? Because they're literally lighting shit on fire. Um, But it's also about, like, how Bradbury portrays, like, rage. Like, if you're angry, it's, like, burning within you. And I think there were some other things with that. Mm -hmm. Um, As well as, like, the relationship between, like machines and humans but that's like i don't know it's just sci-fi stuff yeah and after reading it now i guess your third time do you feel like do you have did you glean anything else now that you're a full-grown adult who reads books all the fucking time for fun i wish i had time to read all books all the time for fun um no like i always think i would but i'm not motivated enough to read (laughs) I would expect it to be... Yes, you are. You read 100 books last year. You read 100 books I listened to about... Yeah, well, I listened to about three-fourths of them, and then I read maybe, like, yeah, a quarter oh, of the 100. Last year, I had, like, a 20 and 2020 challenge, right? And then I realized two weeks before the end of 2020 that I'd only read eight books. So I read, like, 12 books in two weeks. Oh, my weeks. God. <laughs> because I oh my God. have to hit my goals, but it was it was not fun. And this year, and then, <laughs> my goal was one book every two weeks, but I've only read one book so far. So I might have, like, overdone it. But, um, I mean, I also just got the puppy, and he's taking up a lot of time. But once he doesn't need active supervision, I'll probably go back to reading. Uh, but yeah, I liked that point you made about the blending between, like, humans and machines. Especially with, like, you know, the blending between, like, the books, which is whatever good literature, versus, like, the like the manufactured fiction that they get on the TV. I don't know. I like that kind of blending between synthesized things and, like, organic things. I like a real dog to the hound versus, like, the snake in the, the machine that pumps her blood. Fun fact. Did you guys know that robot is a check word? Okay, I'll shut up. Um, okay. No, no, keep talking. But now it's my turn. Anyways, I think for me, it was like, this book reminded me so much of 1984 in the sense that it's a dystopian about censorship and, like, the power of books in a world and mm-hmm. how they convey history and communicate things with other people. So... Yeah, I think the intended takeaway was, you know, just that typical American propaganda of, like, individualism and freedom and the power of choice and blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah. However, I think another (laughs) unintended takeaway that I got was just that Ray Bradbury really just hates ladies because, like, he... (laughs) Oh, my God. The way that Guy Montag talked about his wife was just, like... Everything was her fault, which I'm sure it was, but also it was just like, oh, my wife betrayed me. That bitch! But I love her, and she's my wife, and I must find her, but she's a bitch. And how he talked about Clarice as well. And Clarice, who I guess was just a wisp of a lady and was like, smell the flowers, and then died. (laughs) The dream. And apparently was 17 and, like, all-knowing. Yeah, and, like, at the end when they're talking about how they all have these books memorized. And they're like, yeah, we have all the great writers here. We got uh, Aristophanes and Gandhi and Buddha and Confucius and Thomas Love Peacock and Thomas Jefferson and like Mr. Lincoln and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, so none of these great writers are women. So the women have not written anything great, apparently. 
going to read Bradbury. Yeah. Wow. And just like he Guy Bontag is when he's burning books, he's like, Oh, every book is a man. A man took his whole all this time to write down these words and every book is a man and like blah 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 blah. And it's like <laughs> why are they all men? You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm sure some Every ladies had some thoughts and you're burning them right now. Jeez. Yeah. You uh, you ever think about that? Guess not. Oh but gosh. when did, like, lady lady authors come into prominence? So, like, when were women, like, uh, uh, widely accepted as authors? Mm-hmm. But there are classics like the Bronte sisters and, like, Jane Austen that I think they yeah. were, like, popular when they were alive. And, like, there's, what, the one about Frankenstein... Mary Shelley. Yeah, and they're all fucking boring. Sorry, <laughs> ladies, but... But anyway, yeah. No, I agree, yeah, Carbon, that, like, yeah, for sure, it's harder for women to be recognized as classics. Well, look at us educating ourselves on literature by the women. Say, yeah. <laughs> Shut up. I never want to hear that accent ever again. <laughs> okay, and, like, Little Women was written in 1968, um, the first volume, and the second one was 19... 19- 16 no eight okay 1868 and 1869 no like i know classics were written by women before this book was written but i didn't know like because you know things a lot of times they become classics like after someone's death and aren't like fully appreciated yeah. in their time yeah sure so i was just wondering like you know because i mean ray bradbury does seem like one of the og incels but um mm-hmm. wait has his book that. been caught like been like what's it banned no not not banned every book's been banned um has it been like taken by the incel movement have they claimed it as their own i don't know I don't about know. the incel okay culture. well sorry okay. i talk <laughs> on the regular so i can't can't relate no i just know that like red pill is like a reddit group and they like took it from red pill blue oh, pill from the matrix but it's where it's like how incels like like, the red pill is, like, when you're, like, woke or whatever, and you, like, see the truth of the world. And to them, the red pill is that, like, women are just there to, like, use them. So they should also use women or whatever. So, like, yeah, it's an insult oh thing. Oh, my god! But it's, like, a really, it's a really so big unhealthy. group. Yeah. What the fuck? And it was just, like, it was, like, a whole new world that I was exposed to. Ugh. But there's also, like, a female equivalent, which was, like, kind of interesting. I don't know. I was just, like, huh. Oh, no, that's girl power, what? then. If it's a yeah, female movement, right? that's just- if it's from the males we're like fuck you you guys are weird and sad Mm -hmm. if women say that men are just there to use us so we should just use them that's true as fuck okay that's just the truth men say that about women that's offensive as hell but doesn't that create a cycle where everyone's just using each other and like I don't know yeah next question I have an intended I have a takeaway go ahead yeah, so this is kind of, I guess, more of my personal judgment than anything. I just, like I said, I've been talking about, like, this whole world where the thing's, like, so rich. I guess my takeaway is just that, like, it's it's easy to judge, you know, Guy's wife and, like, his neighbors and all these things for being so numb. Because they, like, his wife and her friends talk about how, like, oh, I'm on my third husband. Like, the first one got shot and the second one got run over by a car. But they do mention that they are, like, separating the kids from their families, like, like from birth and, like, basically indoctrinating them and socializing them totally away. And so, like, there's no, like, real, real family loyalty. Um, Which they so, did in 1984. Yeah. So this is a very common dystopian trope is that they're separating the ties between, like, the bonds between family. So they're not yeah. really loyal to each other and they're loyal to the state and all these things. So they're, they're just a little bit more easy to control. I think that, like, yeah, is kind of the takeaway. It's just that, like, you can judge them, but, it, you know, 
this is kind of what they're being socialized to do and like brainwashed and all these things. So be vigilant. Oh, what is it? What is it? Harry Potter? Constant vigilant. I don't know. I think it's always like if you think about it, like can't miss what you never had. So these kids who like never grew up with like leisure books aren't like missing much. Yeah. But I will say, but like we grew up without like iPhones or smartphones, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so now yeah. it's not like I'm not trying to do that like cliche thing where I show them like a Nokia phone and they're like, what the fuck? But it is like yeah. for them, they don't know. It's not like really possible for them to mm-hmm. conceptualize something before if they've never experienced it. Other unintended or intended takeaways? The fact that like an intended takeaway, the um, perspective of the book only being like, what is it? Third person, the third person like omniscience or whatever. So it's like we're getting things from like Guy Montag's view and it's like almost his complete view, but we can't see anything about like other people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's like, third person limited. Oh, okay. So third person limited. But so we only see like what he's thinking. And so he thinks that all of these other people are like numb or whatever. But like, what are they thinking? Yeah. And he, he acknowledges for like a quick second because he remembers when Millie committed suicide. He like kind of has some guilt over that. He like knows something is going, is, is going on with her. But he like kind of just. That's what I was about to say. I was just real like, quickly. that's true. Obviously, he's the only one who thinks he's woke, but his freaking wife tried to commit suicide because she became too woke and was like Mm -hmm. no thanks um okay let's move on to ratings yes sweet uh so ratings we do it out of 10 i shall go first i give this a three out of 10 why it was very long obviously i didn't even retain the funnest bit how can you say it's very long cloud ending and uh and to me, it just felt like a repeat of 1984. I think I was more in- engaged in the premise than I was the actual storytelling. Some of the characters were just super outrageous, like Captain mm-hmm. Beatty or Beatty or Beatty or whatever you say his name. And like, yeah, so three out of ten for me. Mm-hmm. How can you say it's super long, Ellie? It's less than an inch and you didn't even read it. You listened to it. It's not about It's not about the page length. I'm not talking about... <laughs> the actual measurement of the book. I'm talking about the content and that the content is long. It just goes on and on and yeah. on. Could I do my rating real quick? Sure. Yeah. Yes, I go. Would... It's your turn. Okay. Mine is a four and I would agree a lot. A big factor is its length because there is a lot of unnecessary parts. For example, he spends like 10 pages covering how when Guy is run away from the police, 10 pages is spent on him like deciding whether to cross the road or not. <laughs> And he, like, doesn't make it. Like, he gets hit by a car. And then they, like, double back for him. And they still... It's, like, it's just so such a long thing. And I'm, like, we don't need to be here. But it is slightly higher than my reading for The Great Gatsby. Because, it, like I said, it's, like, poetic. There is a rhythm to what he writes. And, like, the dialogue doesn't make sense a lot. But it's forgivable because it's kind of, like... All right, you're right. Fine, I'm changing my newer core. I'm, I'm changing I, it to a four. Hey, no, I don't want to influence it. Put it back. No, you're right, because I didn't hate it that much, and I think I gave Great Gatsby, like, a three, mm-hmm. and I can't also give it a three, so I'm going to give it a, a four. Okay. Um, but also, yeah, like, it lost points for excluding women, just, you know, Rude. not really doing them any favors. And I thought the ending was a little, like, Doex Machina, like, oh, he ran away because he, like, finally got, you know, the strength to leave and run down the river, and then his city gets nuked, and he's like, oh, well... I guess I could just do what I want now. 
I mean, I agree with you guys overall. Not, I'm not, I, I'll give it like a six. Because I think there's, wow. I think mm-hmm. there is merit to the premise of the book. I do not like the author's writing style. I agree the ending was really like shambly handled. And I think it leaves mm-hmm. like a lot more questions. Like, I think if a better author rewrote this, I would enjoy it. Okay, um, we're going to move on. <laughs> kind of what we call the book talk of our show we're going to recommend a book based off of fahrenheit 451 Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about what we are currently reading and then laura and i are going to ramble on about we read last since the last episode Mm -hmm. so i'm going to go first again for recommendations and it occurred to me and i was like tickled pink by this recommendation because it's a book that i also listen to it also has something to do with books and also kind of like um freedom and individualism and at the end oh maybe i shouldn't i don't care this is a spoiler so if you were gonna read the book the book thief by marcus zuzak then don't listen to what i'm about to say but they both end the same because both of them have cities that get bombed where literally everyone dies okay okay what mm-hmm. what but that's for like okay if there's like a difference in it being bombed for like historical accuracy versus being bombed because ray bradbury got lazy and couldn't figure out an ending well no so i'm not saying it's the same my recommendation is if you hated this book but you care about a different book that also has something to do with books read the book thief i'm not saying it's mm -hmm. in the same vein or anything but i'm saying this is what this book made me think of and what i'd rather read i just thought of okay so the velt which is a short story about like this family and these kids have this room where they control like everything that happens in it so that's like Kind of like a TV, but also like a playroom. But then they... Never mind, I'll, I'll spoil it. Um, and I was like, ooh, that's like also a good, like, unsettling, kind of creepy story. Then it turns out The Velt was written by Ray Bradbury. <laughs> so I was like, oh. But during this recording, I thought of another book that I could recommend called ooh, do Feed by N.T. Anderson. It's like, I read it for school, for a choice book. Um, I didn't finish it. And... <laughs> Wow, that's off to a great start. (laughs) Flying recommendation. No, listen. It's just, if you want to, check it out. But, like, I guess I can't recommend all of it. Like, these people in the society have, like, devices in their heads that, like, basically, you know, they get a feed so they can see commercials and, like, experience, like, TV and blah, blah, blah. Like, constantly, constantly. And, like, but then, you know, the main character meets this girl who doesn't have a feed like that. And so he starts a romance, but I think it all goes poorly, but, you know. Oh, no. Dystopian. Um, and those are my recommendations. A short story awesome. by the same author and a book that I did not finish. Hey, man, those are still viable recommendations. Yeah, we keep listen. it. We keep standards low here. Yeah. Carmen. Um, so my recommendation would be Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. Yeah, so after a pandemic, they're, like, trying to... The, like, main character, like, clings to this one... I think it's a graphic novel that she has. Um, and then trying to find, like, what is value in society and, like, what's worth, like, saving and preserving and bringing around. But also going on adventures mm. and meeting, like, really creepy people, kind of like Guy Montag did, so... Awesome! And, Carmen, tell us, what are you currently reading? Um, I just finished White Ivy by Susie Yang... And then I think my next book on my list is Girl A by Abigail Dean. Um, Laura, what are you currently reading? Uh, currently I'm reading Anna Karenina 
by How's Leo Tolstoy. It's going okay. I've it's a long one, and so I've made a deal that I don't have to like read more than a part per week, which is about a hundred pages. Um, Ugh. Yeah, so I'm gonna try to stick to that schedule, but I don't. I'm not gonna pressure myself to read more than that. I'm also reading Interior Chinatown. It's the second time read for me, but we're doing it for book club, so. I guess that's the second reading. So I'm reading it too. And Carmen would one day read it, but she got a whole new dog, so she mm-hmm. can't. A brand new puppy. Follow him on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Shameless plug. Follow me on Instagram. At Siwi Kiwi. Nice. Okay. I'm also reading The Heart of the Buddha's Teaching by Thich Nhat Hanh. Uh, and I'm also reading The House of the Spirits by Isabel Allende. Well, let me tell you what I'm currently reading. Yeah. I'm currently reading... Um, I'm actually reading White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. I think I was I started reading that at the last time we recorded, but I haven't finished because it takes a while. Asleep. I'm very tired. Yeah, and it's nice to see your little notes in there because you're the one who lent me the book, Laura. So I see like things you underlined, and I'm like, oh shit, important parts coming up because I can see that Laura <laughs> underlined it. Um, and then I'm also reading Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu, yeah. and I am listening to Girl, Woman, Other by. Bernadine Everisto, which you have also read, Laura, correct? Yeah. But uh, moving right into what we were reading last time, it's a pretty short list. I've done pretty shitty about reading. One of them was Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. And then I read Indigo by Beverly Jenkins, which I really, really liked. Mm -hmm. And then I just finished this morning, It's Not All Downhill From Here by Terry McMillan. So Nice. Great time, loved them all, except for I would really, really suggest um, Indigo by Beverly Jenkins, because it was basically, it reminded me a lot of uh, Bridgerton, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, by, since I last, since last time, I've read A Dead Jin in Cairo by P. Jelly Clark, What the Buddha Taught by Walpola Rahula, The Office of Historical Corrections by Danielle Evans, uh, Sharks of the Time of Saviors by Kawaii Strong Washburn, in the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado and Sing and Berry Sing by Jasmine Ward. Ooh. Of those, I would very highly recommend. Well, I would recommend a lot of these. The Office of Historical Corrections and Sing and Berry Sing. I would really recommend that. And In the Dream House. Those are all good. <laughs> So that brings us to the end of the episode where we, uh, Carmen already did her little plug. Follow her, Siwi Kiwi, on Instagram. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at rednotreadpod. And then you can email us at... It's reading, not reading. At you. Has anyone ever emailed you guys? Yeah. Nope, but <laughs> no. Always... You could be the first. Yeah, anybody like the never. <laughs> oh, oh. Also, uh, I would like to add. Sorry, yep. the reason why I didn't listen to more episodes of your guys's podcast was because it's really weird since I know you, and I kept like trying to respond to you too. So that's fair. Oh, that's so sweet yeah. and sad and lonely <laughs> you of guys. you. Fuck off, Ellie. Oh, well, thank you. Um. Speaking of which, you can listen to our back catalog on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or on our website, which will be in the episode description. I'm not going to give you the link because, I don't know, it's just weird. And um, we are... Talk about our bookshop a little bit, Laura. Uh, Shop at our bookshop link to support the podcast with your commission. So if you make a purchase, 10% of that comes back to us. If we can use it to support... Support ourselves, please. Yeah, we can keep the lights on. (laughs) Yeah, please.
and we'll see you next month when we read The Catcher in the Rye. Awful book. By J.D. Sound. Have fun. It's an awful book. Spoken like a true fan. I hate this book. The only good thing about it is that the main character briefly fences. Like that was the only (laughs) (laughs) was the only relatable thing for me. Yeah, well, on that note, uh, we'll see you next month. Thanks, Carmen, for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) And uh, have a good rest of your whenever you listen to this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep.